welcome to the latest edition of Leading at a Local Level with myself, Tim, and my friend John. How you doing, John? Good, thanks, Tim. Good to be with you again. Good. It's our week of mental health, isn't it? We're, right. we're well into it. We're, um, we've actually filmed this on two separate days, which is why we're now dressed slightly differently to be where <laughs> earlier in the week. Um, you're looking dashing as ever, John. Thank you very much, Tim. You too. You too. Sadly, no cat today, though. No, she's upstairs today. Yeah, it's yeah, me. It's sad for her loss. But yes, okay, so um, we are going to be talking today about how you respond as a leader. How do you actually help people who've got mental health? We looked at what is mental health. We looked at the theology of mental health. We looked at the role of the enemy in mental health. And now we're going to talk about how do you respond to mental health? And, and we talked about how to do this, didn't we, John? How do you help yeah. people? And we, we felt actually that what would be, might be helpful for people is for you to talk about your story. Because um, obviously you have, uh, uh, you know, one point in your life you really did struggle. And obviously we've been friends for uh, many years. And so we walked through it as friends together a little bit. Um, so do you want to just say a little bit about, you know, what happened mm. to you and, and you know, uh, the sort yeah. of the state that you kind of found yourself in? Yeah, I think, as you say, I can just say what happened to me. I think it, everyone's different, but there might be some things that resonate with people. Um, so, yeah, I think I've, just a, a few years back now, I've gone through a long period of, I think, pretty much getting towards burnout. So working very hard, um, not really having any boundaries in my life, not not sleeping very much, trying to do everything. Lots of people are saying, wow, it's amazing how much stuff you get done. And you're thinking, well, yeah, but that comes at a cost. Yeah. Um, and just gradually finding myself getting to a place of just a lack of enjoyment um, and numbness, to be honest, just feeling yeah, yeah. really quite numb and, and not bothered about anything, uh, very uncommunicative, um, not really talking at all with my wife, not not relating to my kids. So a number of, I could go on and on, just a number of things over a, a number of months became uh, quite a concern. And it was mentioned to me that maybe I was a bit, a bit depressed. Um, and I was thinking to myself, well, no, I'm not. I've seen people who are really depressed, you know, in a, inside in hospital and I'm not like that but I was feeling awful um, and I also was, didn't want to go and see anybody about it so I certainly didn't want to go on any medication um, I didn't want to acknowledge the fact that I might be depressed to be honest I, I, I really did think it would be an acknowledgement of weakness that I wasn't able to stand up to the pressures of, of leadership and of life just doing life so that was really where I you know where I got to and I know that I was I was talking to you about this at some point sometimes Tim that was really helpful and actually they were just have that external person saying to me actually yeah I have noticed this um something isn't quite right are you sure you're okay um and to pray with me and I found that really helpful really challenging um and just being really honest that I think one thing I found quite difficult certainly talking to other friends who are leaders is feeling quite inferior um it's really hard, well, maybe it's just me, but I find it really hard to admit that I'm finding something difficult and that I'm struggling and that all these other people are still on this level um, <laughs> above me. And, and I know it sounds silly, but that was a genuine fear that I would be, you know, just looked down on and... Um, yeah. and so much, it's just full of pride, really. But. Those of you that know John, John's six foot six, so John, yeah, no, yeah. not many people look down on John. That's was interesting. It was interesting that season because I, like, obviously I've known you since we were kids, and um, and and for those of you who know John, John's got a kind of a um, fairly kind of 
wild sense of humour that I think often a lot of people who, who kind of see him in a professional context don't know. But obviously, he's a friend. He's quite a character, um, we, you know. And um, and I think that was that I, I began to recognise it. I think a year or two before you really got rough, and I would we'd go down and we'd hang out, and I'd come away, and I think. John's not any fun anymore. Like John was usually really fun, and almost that fun side of John had gone out. Um, and I remember your your old pastor had bought you a Sky Sports subscription, and he paid for you yeah. to Sky Sports because he wanted you to relax. Yeah. Um, and I remember trying to encourage you to like relax, but it was just you'd got into that cycle, hadn't you? And it was just yeah. spinning. And yep. It's hard watching that. Actually, it was hard. I mean, I remember being your friend. I remember chatting to Helen as I was driving away one day and saying, "It's really hard watching John. You can something's not quite right." Yep. Um, but yeah. it, was, it was a difficult season for you, for sure. It was also, yeah. can I just say, young kids. Young kids is a very yeah. time. Your kids were, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so some of it was stuff that I couldn't control. Um, so, and some of it were things that I probably could control. And it was a mixture of my pride and overwork and, you know, my where my identity was and talk for hours about that stuff, but we won't. But I, and I think the impact on me was interesting. So, you know, physically... You know, I wasn't I wasn't as fit. I put on a lot of weight. Um, I wasn't exercising as much. I was probably comfort eating. Um, emotionally, I felt just as I've said, pretty rubbish. Um, I was looking at myself and seeing patterns in my family. Not going into details, but thinking, "Oh man, I'm going the same way as you know one of my close relatives." Um, I think spiritually, it was a tough time. I was I was not connecting with God. I just felt very bland. I'd open the Bible and just. Just nothing. And I'm not talking about one day. I mean, we all have times like that. We all have weeks like that. I'm talking about a prolonged season yeah. of feeling like that. Um, and it was with encouragement from, from yourself and from a couple of others and um, just saying that this isn't, this isn't right. You know, what are you going to do about it? You know, praying it through and still feeling very like eventually I went to the GP uh, and it was so hard to go. I just, I went in and I just said how I was feeling and filled out a questionnaire. Um, and she said, and the way she explained it was helpful to me. So I just think you're in a position where you're trying to deal with this. You're trying to think about it, trying to work it through, but you just haven't got the resources to. And I think you just need a bit of a, she called a serotonin boost um, to get you in a position where you might be able to engage in how you're thinking. And so I, did, I started on some antidepressants um, and I didn't really like taking them. They did have some side effects, but actually they did after a few weeks did put me in a position where I could start to talk a bit more openly about how I was feeling, start to have the energy, if you like, and the will to engage with it. Because you know, you're just lacking energy when you're feeling like you just feel so blank. It's hard to describe. It just feels black and dark and there's nothing that you want to do. You know, you need to eat better, but you just can't be bothered. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so on and so on. So that really helped. And then I went to, to have some counseling. And again, I, I, sworn off counseling i'll never go and see a counselor um and i had a few sessions of counseling again you know it was helpful and the, the things he, he was identifying some things for me which i i knew were true but i hadn't really enacted in fact looking at my relationship with god and looking at how i viewed my relationship with god so, so i won't go into details but some really key things that came out of that time and as a combination of all those things together I began exercising again. I sort of started to eat a bit more healthily. I can't pin it on one thing that was the thing that helped me and that lifted me out, but a combination of all these things together saw me actually come out of that time. Yeah. I am still prone to it. I'll be really honest with you. I know it's my personality, my genetics, the way that I am. It's, it's powerful stuff. And I, I've, I've now been able to spot myself getting to those points and spot myself with kind of early signs, I suppose, of, of being depressed. And I'm yeah. much more able now to engage and to 
pull out of those times than I was at that point. Yeah. Is that, is that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I always describe you, John, as like, um, like you don't have a, a release valve, do you? Like, mm. um, like naturally, your problem is your, your program is just to keep going and going and going. My, my program will enable yeah. when, when things get too hot, like when my engine gets too hot, it sort of shuts down. Uh, which I praise God that that's how I'm wired. Like when I get too much, I'll often go into myself and I'll just kind of, yeah. I'll suddenly just find a way and I'll just stop engaging for like, I don't know, maybe a few days or a week. Or, and that kind of enables me the space to recover. Yeah. But you you don't have that, you see. You're, okay. it's like you're, and so you've had to reprogram your brain, basically. I mean, you've had to reprogram yourself to kind of, to force yourself to have breaks and to force yeah. yourself to have time off. Because you, you know, you talk about being inferior, you know, but actually the reality is you were, you were out, you were out doing everybody else. And that's where the lies of the enemy come, isn't it? You yeah, know, lying to you and saying you're inferior, you're not good enough, which was just a joke, you know, um, but it's, it's just yeah. one of the challenges. I think your, your, your story is an interesting model, John, actually. Um, and I think kind of when we, when I think as a pastor, as a church pastor, about how I help people deal with mental health, I mean, in your case, we prayed for you. Mm. It didn't necessarily change anything. Mm. Um, and it wasn't just the medication, for example. That wasn't enough on its own. It wasn't just like the medication was enough. It was it was all of that combination. And so I think as a pastor, and I, if you're a leader now, you should be thinking, I think, how do if we want to really help someone, yeah. um, what is the, the holistic approach? What is all of the things we need to put around this person um, in order to help them overcome things? Um, I, I think you identified a few things, didn't you? I mean, I, so in terms of your process, where, where do you think, you know, your process began? What was the first, so if you were dealing with someone with mental health like you, what was the first thing that really was necessary for you, do you think? Oh, that's a great question. Um, do you know what? I think it was other people around me. I think if I'd been in a bubble on my own um, or if nobody had asked me, yeah, and, and, and the, the, you don't want to be asked, you know, there's no doubt when you're feeling awful, the last thing you really want is to be asked. But actually, deep down, to be asked, how are you? Yeah. I'm concerned about you. You know, it, there's no, you know, uh, there's a bit, you're, you're lacking in fact. I mean, those comments are hard to hear, but they yeah. were also the catalyst to say somebody cares about me. Um, yeah. Somebody's speaking truth to me when I can't speak it for myself. And that was, you know, theologically, I suppose, going to church and actually being there was so helpful because I was still feel it, hearing truth, even though I couldn't feel it. And there yeah. were people there who were kind of able to, phrases really, but they were able to be Jesus to me. When I couldn't be like that, they could actually show what God was like to me. So just very practical, just people. Is, I, yeah. We haven't planned this, but that, that's probably my first answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think to me that, so I, I would say if you're a leader, the question you've got to ask yourself is how often are you really asking those kind of questions of people in your team that you're leading? Mm. Um, and, and we're English, aren't we? And so yeah. we, we, when someone asks you the question, how are you? Fine, thank you. You generally <laughs> respond with either two, two things uh, or three, three responses. I'm fine, which is the, <laughs> the, the, the default response. The, the now acceptable response when you're struggling clearly is just really busy at the moment. Yeah. which I've learned, particularly as a leader, is an unacceptable response. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Stop saying you're busy. It's, I, I had to challenge myself. Stop saying every time someone asks you how you're doing, busy, or I'm tired. You know, I'm just a bit weary at the moment. Like, those to me are signs. And one of the challenges for, as leaders yeah. is to think beyond that. Because yeah. you know what it's like, don't you? You, so you ask someone a question, you also, honestly, partly, you don't want to know the answer because you're also on the limit, yeah. um, sometimes yourself. But actually, that's so important. And, and we've, yeah. I'm sure we've talked about this at some point, but friendship is so important. You know, and, and if you're a leader, 
and I want to say, I, don't, I mean, we talked about this briefly before, but yeah. I want to say, if you're a leader and John's story has resonated with you and you feel a bit like that, maybe you're feeling burned out, exhausted, you're really struggling to pray and read and it's just been an awful time. And, and I would like to say that I struggle like John does. Uh, I, I struggle and I'm so grateful for my wife, to be honest. She's, she's mm. such an encouragement to me, particularly. Mm. She, she really helps me, I think. Um, and I've got some really good friends, particularly that I can talk to, which help me um, get out of those kind of slumps that I go into. But if you're struggling, feel free to get in touch. We would hate for you. If you've got no one to talk to, mm. then you can always come and reach out to us. We'd, we'd love to try and help you if we can. But if you've got friends near you, go and talk to them. And would you not say that's the first thing you need to do as a leader? John? Yeah, that's right. And that doesn't just come suddenly. It comes through cultivating those things, you know, in the good times, if you like. Um, yeah. So I encourage you to do that. But if you haven't done that and you're in a slump, then it, it, it takes boldness and courage, but it hurts a little bit, but it's well worth it. In Absolutely. fact, you have to. There's no, there's no choice, really. Absolutely. So, so assuming that you start to uncover that someone's got a problem, I think what I would do, I don't know what you yeah. would do in the situation, John, but I would, I would, as a leader, I would then want to spend some time really talking with them um i think talking is so important at this point really trying to understand you know what's going on um like i'm not a professional counselor um i think i've learned a lot about how to do some counseling techniques and things like that and i'm always trying to understand like what's the issue below the issue um that's so important what's really going on if you're struggling with anxiety what is the issue is it a lack of control is it you know, feeling out of control? Is it the fact that you've let sin in your life in some place? Is it the fact that you're, you know, what is it that's going on underneath that? And as a leader, I'm trying to tap into that. Um, and yeah. I may discover that actually, I, that further down the line, and I, I often will do and say, look, this is beyond my scope, like as a, as a, as a church. I'm not that's a trained counsellor as a pastor. I'm not. Yeah. Um, and I recognise that then I might point someone towards counselling. Because um, in your case, like we were friends and we would talk, but there was something about being going to a counsellor, wasn't there, that was helpful. Mm. But I yeah, think that, that yeah. diagnosis, I suppose it's diagnosis. Your job as a leader is to help someone diagnose the problem. You might not be able to solve the problem, but yeah. you probably can di- at least get close to diagnosing some of yeah. the issues. Would yeah, you- definitely. I totally agree. And I think we've got to be so careful of over-professionalising. I mean, in the church in general, in the West, we've over-professionalised things in all sorts of ways. But one of those areas is is counseling and now look i i love counselors uh, now i find it really helpful there's a there's a role for them we need more trained counselors do, okay, yeah. let me just say that but a lot of this stuff is about understanding people and as leaders this is something that we can do with a biblical understanding of humanity this holistic thing we've been talking about the whole time our relationship with god with ourselves with other people with the ground that we walk on this this is all genesis one and two stuff you know, yeah. we, we know this stuff and we can spend time walking alongside people week by week, understanding, as Tim says, diagnosing, you know, the, 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 the problem. Because as I say, you, you get the diagnosis wrong, the, the cure's wrong. But, but as you said, if you think you're getting a bit out of your depth, you go, oh, actually, this is going further than I, than, I, than I imagined or I'm not quite there, then of course get professional help. But the waiting lists are huge. Sometimes people, particularly young people, so who I deal with, really struggle sometimes to seeing a stranger six times they don't get as deep as you might expect let's not abdicate our responsibility to walk alongside people to get to know them to dig deep to understand the holistic nature of the problem because a lot of it's not rocket science a lot of it will come and as we pray and ask god for inspiration to reveal things um 
there's so much that we can do at a local level Absolutely. before we start to push people to professionals, which may well be needed at some point. John, would you consider like, I mean, obviously in your professional experience as a medical professional, would you, I know there are some courses out there, like basic introduction to counselling courses that yeah. say like 10 weeks long. I think Spurgeon's do one, uh, well, they did do, I don't know if they still do. Um, and I've, I've investigated a few as a church leader, um, you know, to actually train up, say two or three people in my church, and church to pay for them to have basic, you know, those that you identify have got a gift in pastoral care, yeah. um, you know, counselling. Would, would you do that? Would you think that would be helpful for a church to have a number of people who have got a basic understanding? I, of counseling? I, I think hugely so. I think it's about recognising people's gifts, isn't it? We recognise gifts of leadership and administration, um, so hospitality, and all sorts of things. We don't send everybody off for three years to become trained to, you know, to do all of those things. Um, so. Yes, some some training, recognizing gifts, skilling people up for that what I call when I say lower level, I'm not saying it's yes. the low level, but the kind of the more general level, which we're dealing with huge numbers of people. Absolutely. Um, there is a role for the professional stuff. There's a there's a role for you know kind of getting your Michelin star and yeah. cooking for somebody, and there's a role for your kind of professional counselors and psychiatrists. But uh, so that would be my my opinion. Yeah, definitely consider that. Yeah. So, so John, so you, you've you've kind of diagnosed, you've you sort of got to know, you've seen, you've identified there's a problem, you've maybe spent some time talking to them, you've diagnosed there's a challenge, you've prayed with them, you've yeah. you, you kind of, you know, you, but you're not getting any better. When would you kind of recommend going for kind of medical help? Well, you know, as a professional, when are you? Because I think my fear as a pastor is that you want to push people into medical solutions, and the answer isn't really medical. So, what what yeah. would prompt you? Do you think to to push someone for medical? Say to them, go to a GP. Yeah, I think so. When so, I'll give my answer, but I would love to love to hear yours as well. I think um, so. I think when we pray through things and we're encouraging, you know, looking at areas as we talked about in our, our episode three of this series, um, looking at the role of the enemy. So I think there's there's room to do that. So we've explored some of those areas. We've thought about you know, general you know, general things, and we just thinking firstly we're thinking actually i still can't get to the bottom of this yeah um i still haven't quite i don't think i quite know i think i've got a clue that it might be something to do with severe anxiety and we've talked about the general stuff but i'm just you know i'm not sure that i can go much further and the second time would be when you're just feeling a bit out of your depth and there'll be different levels for all of us and it's okay you might not think well tim would sort of keep talking to someone for another four weeks i'm not sure that i can that's okay if you're feeling like actually i just feel a bit out of my depth here i think i do need a bit of guidance then i think it's entirely reasonable because the process will take a long time to get a gp appointment to potentially then have other appointments along the way it will take time so i think if you're feeling that i would i would just say go for it and these things can work alongside one another how, how about you yeah i think i think absolutely i think um you know, I think what I'm looking for is, is a person, you know, I think what I'm looking for is, is their mood so low mm. that even when you counsel them, they can't seem to break out of it. That would yeah. be, that would be, and I've got, you know, one or two people that, you know, that yeah. I've worked with and working with on that kind of basis. And you think really, you, you, you know, and there are things that often the doctors will give quite quickly, aren't they, John? Like they're just yeah. kind of almost mood, yeah. kind of like mood boosters type That's right. thing That's right. um, that aren't necessarily particularly heavy um, or really kind of going to mess you up. I mean, obviously, if you've got severe, like, you know, someone who's been trying to commit suicide, but obviously you want a much more severe medication than someone's, you know, who's kind of just really struggling. But um 
But yeah, I think I think for me, it's when it's when you've counselled somebody, you've walked with them over maybe a number of weeks or months, and you're just struggling to see any significant improvement. Yeah. Um, I, that's when I would be saying to them, go to the GP because. You know, so you're doing all the right things. You're preaching the truth to them. You're praying. When I say preaching, you're sharing the truth with them. Yeah. Um, you know, you're praying with them, and there's really they're not struggling to get much breakthrough. I think that's when I would yeah. wonder: is is it is it is it kind of yeah? Is it time to involve the medicals? I guess the medical yeah. professionals. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I wonder just a comment, if you don't mind, on what happens when people don't get better. Because you might hear someone like me share uh, and the people we might hear who come to the front and they share, you know, look, I was depressed or I had severe anxiety or, you know, whatever it was. And now I'm free and now I feel great. OK, so we hear a lot of those stories. And I think there's a place for that because we want to celebrate, you know, people being well, don't we? I think that's a good it's a good thing. But I've found that there are a lot of people in, in church communities I've been involved in who are faithful <laughs> people um, who have been through that whole process who perhaps are on medication who, who have gone through that process of you know repentance etc etc et but they're still living with let's say uh, severe depression yeah, and i yeah. think i just think we need to make sure that there's there's space you know in church when we're thinking about how do we handle sort of mental health there's space to actually just affirm when people can't feel there's a space to say well actually it's okay like so some cool. people, some people won't get better to the end of that. And we know that with physical health problems and without being defeatist, it will be the case with some mental health problems as well, yeah. that actually they might know some a degree of healing. They might know a degree of restored relationship. They're in your community, but actually they're not, they're not getting better. And 10 years, 15, 20 years on, they're still unwell. They're still walking with a limp. Let's, let's be communities where we say, that's okay. It's okay. It's a calm. And we, for people who don't feel, who for weeks and for months and for years may say, I just don't feel it. You know, they might feel a pressure to, to feel, you know, in your church community. If you emphasize feelings in any way, there are people who will not be able to feel. But yeah. we can affirm faith in the absence of feeling. Yeah, okay? that, that's what faith is. In the absence of feeling, we can affirm faith in people. Is that a, is that a fair? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think it's a fine balance. That's mm. my, my view, because you... And I know there might be some Christians that might listen to this and say, oh, no, 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 you just got to, you know, you've got to believe God for breakthrough. And my answer to them would be is I've done that a lot. And sometimes people don't get better. So either that's an issue with me, which which I'm happy, I'm humble enough to accept that maybe the Lord needs to work something out in me. Or actually there are some people that just do struggle. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. You need to be, we need to be very careful about getting frustrated. I mean, I've been frustrated. I've been disappointed. I've yeah. been, you know, you love these people. I mean, if you're doing the job right, you love people. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between the church and a medical professional. Your doctor doesn't love you. Yeah. Your doctor sees you as a problem to be solved. And, and you know, good doctors do that in a caring way. But the church, you, you love someone. And I think when you love someone, you're thoroughly yeah. invested. But I've had to learn to harden myself up a little bit, actually, yeah. and realising that actually, like, I pray with faith, but also I'm realistic that sometimes it's not necessarily going to get better quickly. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right, Joe. I just think it's, it's such a tough one. You want to balance faith to believe God is really going to bring someone through to freedom with the same time of being realistic, that that may take a long time for some people. And for some people, I mean, I think often what you tend to find is a bit of an up and down trend for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They do well and then they do badly. If they're bipolar, obviously they go through seasons when they do well and, yeah. and then it just, for some reason, things, you know, but yeah, we, we, it, it, this is, I mean, I think this is the toughest thing. My greatest 
message to leaders, I think, is do not get discouraged. That's I suppose right. you, you quote, don't you? Do not, do not weary of doing good. That's right. Um, That's right. And do not do weary of just re repeating the same messages. And sometimes it's a blockage, a sinful blockage in someone's life of, say, unforgiveness or just trusting the Lord that they will not let go. Yeah. And, and there's not a lot you can do about that. You just have yeah. to keep patiently walking with them. And often it is, yeah. they will not yet trust the Lord or they need yeah. to encounter God in a deeper way. Yeah. Um, that's not always the case, but that may take years for them to get to that yeah. place. Absolutely. And let me tell you, you know, we are we, we do have an avalanche of mental health problems um, and the NHS is creaking at the seams and the NHS has a role and professionals have a role. Oh, I've said that already. Huge. Sure, huge Johnny, so can I just say, and I, I'm talking to someone that's obviously involved in supporting the NHS in your role at CMF. As a, as a church leader, there have been times when I've been absolutely so frustrated because you've got people that are absolutely on the limit, yeah. families that are breaking, and the, and the yeah. government and the NHS don't do anything about it. Yeah. And I think this is why as churches, and if you're out there feeling like that, you know, like you've got people that have tried to commit suicide. We've had like people like that several times in, in my last few years have had experiences of that kind of thing. Um, and it's just tough um, when, the, when the, the NHS services are not doing anything about it or someone's completely lost it, like as in, I say lost it, no, I don't mean it's, you know what I mean? I don't mean that in a yeah. kind of a, a, a glib way, but they really mentally, they, they've completely lost touch with all touch with reality and they need yeah. to be institute. They need to go into a mental health institution of some kind. But that's the right, what's the right word? Like kind of yeah. hospitalized. They need to be hospitalized. Hospital. That's the yeah. right word. Um, uh, and, and, and it's so frustrating and, and it is so frustrating and, and there isn't always the help out there. And it's because there's so many people that are struggling, which is why as leaders in this churches, we've got to be invested in this subject because yeah, it's, it's huge. It's huge. This is massive. And as you say, there's a subsection of people who are going to need that kind of treatment. But for the, I'd say actually for the majority of us yeah. who are not, are not in that place of that, that kind of severity um, for oh, our young people or our, our older people, like community, healing communities being a place yeah. where you belong, where you know your identity, where there's meaningful relationships, where your purpose is rooted in something outside of yourself. The list could go on and on and on. Like the resources in the church, both now, I think increasingly into the future of living communities of faith post COVID, even more so. Yeah, we have yeah. a vital role, vital role to play. And it's not rocket science, it's being the church. We are we just need to be the church. And let me tell you, so many of the issues that people have of loneliness and depression and of, yeah. of their sense of self-worth and guilt and shit, you name it, so many of those things will go. They will, they will go away. It may still lead, it will lead very broken people. It will lead people who are going to need a lot of patience and tenderness and, as you say, lack of weariness and people not getting frustrated with them. That's going to be, that's going to characterise the church. That's the church that we want to be. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're absolutely right, John. I think, so I suppose my encouragement to leaders would be, is that seeing how important this is, is that I, I suppose I approach each individual and I, I suppose I'm looking at each individual and yeah. thinking, what is the holistic plan that is surrounding this person? So particularly uh, as a leader, you cannot deal with it on your own. But one of the things we do really well at our church is we see ministry as a team thing. So, yeah. you know, if we're dealing with, we've got lots of people in our church that struggle with mental yeah. health issues, um, but we don't just deal with them alone. So we share it round. You know, I might be the kind of the counsellor. Often I'm, I'm, my role is often to come in and the, you know, give them the kind of the, the sort of, the, you know, come on, let's, do, let's get, let's get moving. And then you've got other people that are just, they're friends, other people yeah. that are kind of like, 
we'll meet with them weekly just to encourage them. We often do sort of very practical things. We, you know, we've got things where we, we might recognize that someone's got a problem with say eating. Um, and we look at, you know, how can we get someone to help them with their diet or to teach them to cook better? Yeah. You know, how do we involve them in an activity yeah. that, you know, if they, a lot of people have got no life skills. That's right. A lot of people that are very broken, if you're taking someone from the urban poor, particularly who have come from very broken backgrounds, they've never held down a job in their life. Yeah. You know, they, they, no wonder they've got struggles because their whole life has been devastated. And so my, my question to you as a leader, um, and I suppose I'm talking to people, I'm talking to you here, but I suppose I'm talking to you at the same time, John, is that really, mm-hmm. is that every single person we approach, you have to have a almost like an individual care plan use a very yeah. medical phrase yeah. um, it's almost like a spiritual care plan what is yeah. the, the the support we're putting around this person and i think the greatest challenge for us in this era is to not be uh laissez-faire slapdash casual yeah. kind of about recognizing that we need to offer that kind of holistic support um, i like doing this hand movement that's, it's uh, a lovely hand movement yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think and i think it's really good it's team isn't it so knowing our boundaries time and again in churches i've seen you know one person taking on one person and they yeah. try and take on everything and actually yeah. they become they become the go-to person you can get you can get unhealthy codependency yeah. you get yeah. burnout you get all sorts of issues and people operating outside of their skill set you name it so team approach where where people say this is what i can do and yeah. i'm not going to feel guilty for what i can't do because for a lot of people we know this you give and the more will be demanded there's always more you can do and people yeah. end up getting overstretched so if you've got your team saying Who, who's well placed you say to do the counseling part the friendship part yeah. the practical yeah. helps part and where's our boundaries um, knowing your boundaries as a leader, knowing helping your team to know their boundaries, um, and knowing your team well enough to know who, where the gifts are, I think is a, is a fantastic model. And I've seen that work so well in churches. Yeah. 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 And so I think that's, and, you know, I suppose you said the, the answer to the question in the beginning was how do we help people? I think you've yeah. got to have a clear kind of, you know, multifaceted approach. Yeah. That's it. It's, that's the last question that you've got working around someone. And if you haven't got that, if you're trying to take it all on as a pastor or as a home group leader, you need to see different people able to input. And I often invite people in the church or say, will you regularly meet with this person? They need your help in this way. This person, this, this person's garden's a disaster. Yeah. Um, can you please go and help them? They just need to get that sorted. And, and we've got guys that will go and do that. And so it's, it's seeing yeah. it as a holistic approach. It's fantastic. Can I just say resources as well? We've listed yeah. some under the, under the podcast. I mean, look, the Mind and Soul Foundation, I know some of the guys there can thoroughly recommend their resources. Um, they've got a mental health access pack, really good stuff, information resources, Courses, biblically focused, very practical, written by psychiatrists and, and therapists and, and, and sort of lay church leaders. So check it out. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I make a recommendation, John? Yeah. Cool. As a church leader, the Freedom in Christ course yeah. was really good. Yeah, um, basically, it's very uh, gospel focused um, in that really the whole point about the, the Freedom in Christ course, it teaches you to believe the truth. Yeah. which is so often yeah. the answer for so many people to learn to believe the truth about yourself, about God, about what God does. And I, I, we've seen a lot of people have been really blessed by that. And we've done that in the church. Yeah. Great good. stuff. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, John. Good. Last one. Next one's going to be a good one, isn't it? That's it. We're going to talk about what wait. happens when it's not mental health, but actually just got some snowflakes. <laughs> um, on, on that Looking note, to we'll it. say goodbye. See you, mate. See you then. Bye. Bye.